Welcome to Faith Over Breakfast. Uh, this is Andy Littleton from Mission Church in Tucson, Arizona, and I'm sitting with uh, Eric Seepin from The Village and his Brugger's Cup. So, Eric, how are you today? Hi. I'm doing okay. I got to the church and was happy that there were no leaks. Yes. It's a rainy day here in Tucson. <laughs> That's always my... Is my house leaking? Is the church leaking? These are my two. We're, not, we're, not, we're not leaking. We're okay. Yeah. So, good life deal. is good. Yeah. Um, well, we're uh, this is the day after Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and so we have a few uh, a few things we unpacked, yes. including a uh, a podcast that Eric shared with me from the Liturgist with Andre Henry in it about being anti racist. Reflections on the day yesterday are um, how we responded, and then uh, we especially I, I think that the the end of the podcast is the best. Yes. Not that any of it isn't any good but uh hang in there um because it's we i think we really got onto something that we'll probably follow up on in the next well sometime yeah in the near future so i, I think you often say that at the at the beginning is like hang on there because it gets good and i'm like yeah whatever i, I would say that this time you I'll actually say, agree really, with me this time. really <laughs> there are moments where you might be thinking where is andy and eric going with all this they don't seem sure about themselves Follow us and we're not. along the journey because I think we end up in a really good place that will make you think and at least kind of give you a place to start that process. You got it? There's garbage right there. You can shoot it in there. These are old basketball skills. Yeah, well, it's been a while apparently. <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> oh, since Thursday, did yeah. you play some basketball Thursday? Okay. That's good. Hi. All right. Hey. <laughs> well, um, here we are settling in. You're trying to figure out your uh, church giving situation. Uh, thanks for making me some coffee. You're welcome. Yeah. And yeah, you sent me a couple of couple of weeks ago i guess in preparation for this week i was thinking um a liturgist podcast so we've we haven't mentioned the liturgist we on here for the liturgist. we have it's been a while very long time. um and so the uh anyway that that's a i think we both said that people in our church this is a podcast that probably gets picked up and listened to in our in our world in our community um and yeah, recently they had a they had a guy on there used to work for Relevant Magazine among other things, uh, Andre Henry, who uh, was specifically talking about being anti-racist uh, specifically. And then um, in our world, not, we'll see when this actually releases, but this is the day after Martin Luther King Jr. Day uh, here in a rainy Tucson day, and uh, you know I don't know about you, but. I was paying a lot of attention to this Richmond rally throughout the day, just hoping nothing went bad, really, really bad. So, I don't know, man. That's what's on my mind. Yeah. What's to on go your backwards, m- I gave the Richmond rally little or no thought. Little to no thought. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I knew about it. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be that violent yeah. or violent at all. and. Just. I'm glad you felt that way. I wasn't so sure. Yeah. I didn't necessarily think it would get violent, but I saw potential for it to go bad. I was hoping yes. it wouldn't. Yeah. And I think I was just, it made me think throughout the day. I just thought, yeah, man, what? A, why, why was this on Martin Luther King Jr. Day? That was a little annoying. Just a little. Yeah. Yeah, it, it seemed to be the wrong focus. Well, it seemed to be for a reason. Like, like they're supposed to, it's, I, I don't know. Like, you're going to say, oh, this is just about guns, but why do it, why do it on that day if you don't have some kind of. Well, maybe, I mean, if we were to just think about it from a, a logistics perspective, it could have been it was the closest day <laughs> off they had. <laughs> no, these people are putting way more thought into this. Come on, get together. Hey, we got there's that Monday off, so let's let's do our rally then. I mean, this is the day where peaceful protest is. Yeah, celebrated. there seems to be an inappropriate message there. I don't know. I, you know, I didn't. 
I didn't tune in enough. I all I tuned into was to see if anything had gone wrong. I just had a I had a news article that had a refresh button that I just hit refresh and I would see peaceful, right. peaceful, and I went, okay, I'm I'm glad for that. Well, um, but, but but I it, it some it very much it came off racist oh, because I, I would agree. Yeah, of that choice, it felt deliberate. And and without polling anybody, talking to anybody, just my gut sense, which, you know, if we take what, what uh, Andre Henry is saying um, seriously, you know, then it, it it wasn't just racist. A lot of, a lot more is racist, and that was a, just that was maybe a very stark manifestation of it, actually. But sure, it um, it didn't sit well with me. I'll I'll tell you, I I thought. If I were in the African American community, I'd read that loud and clear. I'm reading it as a white guy. If I were in that community, I'd read that loud and clear. It's not only a statement about guns, but a statement about me and my people, my holiday. Um, a, a day that not not that I'm just celebrating like yay fun great, but but a major loss. Yeah. In our community, and uh, why are you going to bring out your big military assault rifles on that day? What's up with that? Yeah, that didn't seems directly uh agitating. Yeah. 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 Now, and I'm sure if you talk to somebody on the other side, they'd point to all sorts of agitating stuff on, you know, that but but, well, but I'm I'm saying it Yeah, it wasn't it was insensitive at the least and very inwardly violent at the most. Yeah, it was it was definitely not a good good thing. I wonder, though, when you think about MLK Day, I mean, uh, honest confession, I was wiped out yeah. that long weekend, and it was just another day off. Yeah. Um, same way I reflect on the President's Days right. or Memorial yeah. Day. Right. Um, yeah, you're not. I'm not good at these holidays, and I'm not saying I no. that, that I shouldn't, like, and that's okay. I just don't know what that looks like. Um I, I had some of that too. I I had a couple of thoughts of like, you know, there's the march in Tucson, and sure. I thought, actually, more it was in retrospect. I went, oh, should I have gone to that? I, like, should I, should I have been at that? You know, but I I also was kind of just just thankful to have a day off. But that it didn't feel. It's like, what does this have to do with the intent of this day? Nothing. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, I think, and this will never happen, but. I wonder if MLK Day should be for at least the, the people in power, white people, you and me, should be a day of mourning. Like for what? What? Right. What would that look? What we yeah. have, yeah, what we have participated in, but also just historically, what our country has yeah. has done to the African American community. I'm just, I, and I don't know what that means. I, I don't know what would because you know you think about Hebrews they know what a national day of mourning looks like right, right? It's, it's and it's usually over your sin and there's this yeah. this uh, sitting in ash cloth and you know or in a, whatever ash cloth yes that cloth and ashes Sackcloth. you put it together as ash cloth I did ash cloth that's my yeah. new theological term you did yeah. ash cloth wow we need to have an ash cloth day yes thank you for <laughs> that uh, correction of putting those two words back in their appropriate places. Cloth and so, ashes, don't. <laughs> so we you, we've talked about this before, um, but did you do? I, I I think I know the answer. Did you address MLK Day at church, or did you post anything about it? No, I did not. Yeah, neither did we. And 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 I think neither did I. I'll speak did you. for myself. Yeah, and and that's hard for me. Do, do you struggle? I struggled with it. I thought about it Sunday. I thought about it yesterday and what's hard is it feels like in a way it's like what business do i have making all of a sudden one day making this my little thing like it it feels like it's way too big and way too serious and i just kind of get paralyzed but then i feel like i'm neglecting it by doing not doing anything right and then it's it's like what is that is that white fragility is that what what you know? Oh, poor me! I don't know what to do with MLK Day. Are you what? Like what you know? What Martin Luther King was upset with, with the moderate white person. Sure, who and prefers the, yes. order over. Yes, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, does that mean I should have posted a quote? I you know 
Why don't? So why did? Why didn't you? Um, <clears throat> honestly, because it's not part of the community I'm in, and this is actually I would be more inclined to post things um, that have to do with Hispanic um, liberation, would have to do with you know that part of the community and its plight than I would be to do with African-American community because I'm just less connected to that community. Um, that is, I mean, it's right. I'm just saying that's right. the reality of things. Though that's it, interesting. I mean, it does come home to us. I wrote a check um, f- to a couple in our church who was going to cook uh-huh. and they needed, often, you know, you don't have a hundred and some odd dollars laying around to cook. So we write it beforehand and they went to cash it. Now they're African American. Everything was okay on the check. They've cashed village checks at this Walmart all the time. Yeah. But when I had tore the check out, I was in a hurry. And so it ripped a little bit of the top. Didn't take any information off. It just ripped it a little bit. They refused to cash it. And it was very obvious uh-huh. to the people who were going to get a cash that it had a lot to do with the way they looked. Right. It yeah. just, you have the ripped check, you have two African-American people with their kids in the middle of the day trying to cash a check from this church. This doesn't seem right. So why didn't you post about it? Yeah, it's a good question. Well, because I don't think they would want me to. Right. I'm, but I'm not, that's not a critical ask. I'm, why didn't I'm I post curious about, about this for myself. Yeah. Well, and I don't, because I think partly I'm, I'm on a journey and um, as to understand what it means to, to be yeah. an advocate and what my place is in all of this, in my position. Um, and, and I feel like there are so many touch points as a white male. And, in, you know, is like there are touch points for women when I'm in a room. Do I, how do I interact? Do I give them, do I dominate the room or do I allow them to have a voice? Like then it's, you know, people of certain people of different race, different color, right? So Hispanic and African American, they experience the room differently and the world differently. How do I advocate for them? Like I have, I'm like, oh boy, like I have all this responsibility. It feels like, and I don't necessarily know what to do with it, um, and I don't want to be like the guy who knows everything mm. and how to do it. So I've been trying more to listen and hear what other people want me to do and and what I'm I'm learning is that people come at these things very differently and experience them very differently um so where did that story end up like how did how they did eventually found a place to cash a check but it was hard for them and they got frustrated and right. got a little mad at me for tearing the check <laughs> which is fine because they should have it, it was uh and and I I was kind of frustrated with it too I'm like really I I was very busy, but I think if I hadn't been busy, like meetings that I couldn't just say, hey, I can't go to this meeting, I may have gone down to the to <sighs> the Walmart or whatever and been like, what the heck? You know, why would you do this? This is not right. Um, but they found a Walmart where they people knew them and they cashed a check. You know, yeah. it's like, <laughs> okay. Uh, so it's just frustrating those things are i i don't know i i think what i have found is even in in you know the community it's different you know minority communities as you talk to individuals they have they aren't even in touch with everything and but you have to you have to ask some questions and get them to think about it because a lot of times people are in just survival mode sure and you live with the environment that you have and we live in such a fast world um, that, I mean, protests can happen like that and protests can stop like that. And we have all of this, like in, in Martin Luther King's day, that took a lot of organizing. To Absolutely. Get to, this is not a, I mean, not that other events don't now, but really you can use Twitter and you can use Facebook and you can use all these different modes to get people to places very quickly. Um, or to have a dialogue very quickly. Have a dialogue very uh, like Andre good Henry. Good or bad. Andre right? Henry in that um, podcast, you know, was talking about some of the things he'd shared on Twitter and the sure. feedback he got. Um, and yeah, she's just lightning fast, right? You put your opinion out, somebody shares theirs. It's a different ball game um, than 
putting in months of organization to make a very public statement. I mean, King did interviews, you know, but it just wasn't sure. as, it was, wasn't as fast. Well, you had to use TV. You had to use TV. Yeah, yeah and, and radio. Those were your two modes. Yeah, and right. those are all based on times. Like, yeah. this thing goes. It's not on a And somebody, days, couldn't, on a somebody couldn't immediately get their response to you. Right. Delivered in five <laughs> seconds or less. Right? So, so let me ask, like, a more important question. I, I think the all of this, MLK Day, The Wall... You know um, what we do with citizenship in our country and immigration, um, how we inter- how how the economics of our country work. These are things that the gospel has things to say to. Sure, you and I are in unique places because we're white men, so we do have some privilege that other people don't have um, to talk about it. We're also pastors, so it puts us in front of people, and people want to listen to us to say stuff. So how do you, what, what, is, what do you think the gospel says? And I, I know you probably don't have this all like worked out, but I'd love to hear you work it out and work it out with you. It's like, how do we approach these things? How do we talk about them in such a complex world where well, unity of the faith is something we're called to nurture as leaders? Right. One of the, one of the interesting things I think that came through, I, I didn't, I I listened to a bulk of that podcast with Andre Henry. I did not listen to all of it. I, I was listening during some stuff yesterday. My daughter came home and I didn't finish. But um, one of the one of the interesting things that he stated from his experience was that he he was uh, a seminary trained um, would have a lot of conversations with people in in leadership and and whatnot. And one of the he he would always hear that the race issue wasn't a top priority that it was somehow a uh, you know down down several notches from the gospel right or, it wasn't something jesus was really focused on or that we should be focused or on that we should be focused yeah. on yeah so he would hear that a lot and then he also just noted that um if he wanted to read say an African-American, like a James Cone, you know, theologian, that that was contextual theology as opposed to just theology. And the one difference between, you know, himself or sorry, between Cone and the other theologians was Cone is black. Right. And so all of a sudden his is contextual. And he was just begging the question, like, why is that? Like, why is when a black man reads and writes theology, it's contextual. And when a white man um, reads and writes theology, it's just theology. Right. Well, um, well let's pause there for a second. Because I was thinking he, he does reference, I think, John, Jonathan Edwards, who had slaves in that podcast. I think so. Um, but that is an interesting thing if you are an African-American person sitting in Mm-hmm. A theology class, listening, having to study Jonathan Edwards, who justified his his possession of slaves, right? That and and we don't as the, the community in power think about how that might be infecting you. We, it's just the class we're offering, and that's what you you know, right? Because he was a great thinker, right? Um, which and he was a great thinker. He was um, a great thinker, and so I don't want to. He didn't think great on that. He, but that doesn't mean he was. <laughs> Yeah, right. he he was correct. He made all the right conclusions, um, or he made some severely wrong conclusions. Um, and so I think that I think that part of you know what I walked away from the podcast gathering and yeah is is very true is that for for Christianity to grow and flourish, we must be listening uh, to to people in these other contexts and see how it reads and how they interpret it. And, and that's not to say that they're, I mean, you you were talking about people who are just struggling to survive. Like, let's, let's be honest. That's not everybody in the racial minority. I mean, this dude's way more educated than yeah. me. Oh yeah. He like, can far he beyond can, <laughs> myself. And so he's not coming at it from a less informed point of view. No, he's a black. more informed it, point. It's an extremely more uh, informed point of view. And so, but we do need, um, you know, it, it. We're reading it through our lens. We need to be hearing it read through other lenses. Um, sure. And so I think that's that's a key element in all of this. Um, 
that that I walked away hearing that and going, yeah, that's just that should be so obvious. And then, but then that doesn't always lead to the exact conclusions you think because, I mean, for example, in the like we we were saying we're going to talk about the Methodist sexuality decision. Oh yeah, you know, all of a sudden in the United Methodist Church, it's the the African church is conservative, right? And uh, and all of a sudden, you know, people here who would champion, you know. MLK Day and a whole lot of other things are like, oh, this is, this isn't right. This is bigoted. Like, why can't you listen to the Africans if they tell you you're not following the word? Right. Like on sexuality or on, you know, how you treat people of another race um, or on what it meant when Jesus said X, Y, or Z. Um that it's it's very complicated. I, I think that I think it's hard to do. Right. I mean, I'm so, I'm not saying it shouldn't be done. I'm just I, I'm saying it should be done. I was convicted hearing this. I'm stumbling all over my words trying to like no, no, figure out how to say it. But it sure it's it's going to take some work and it needs right. to happen. And I'm right. I am probably guilty of laziness in this department of not putting in as much work as I should. Yeah. You know, I, I I agree, and I I think it's interesting. The hard part about a lot of this is, you know, from like a Hispanic point of view, or in our country, they never were slaves. Now we took land that was theirs. There's a lot of issues going on, right? But with African American community, what's unique to that, and why a lot of times yeah. the conversation revolves around white and black, and not and excludes other racial people from the conversation um, is because of the slavery in particular. And, and the, when you begin to, when you, when in your country, you purchased people, justified it through scripture and used them for your own economic gain. Mm -hmm. Then you freed them. That's just gonna, that's gonna have like generations and generations of bad impact. Oh yeah. And you freed them Sort of, sort of, yeah, yeah. I don't mean freed. I you just yeah. don't buy and sell them. No, in a in a, yeah. a actual in a practical sense, you probably are still doing that at some yeah. level. Um, so that has to be it. I don't think our country's ever truly mourned that in a way. No, we we we've tried at some level to celebrate the victories of liberation, but not the just desolation of slavery and what it's done. How much damage it did. Yeah. And is continuing to do. Well, and I think it's interesting in a capitalist society, we start talking about reparations, right? Like, well, how do we pay back all these people and how do we do that? Um, and that's interesting to me. I, I, I'm like, wow, that would be pretty cool. But I don't know what that looks like. But it, we don't, we, we moved to that really quickly. And instead of like, wow, this was just really crappy. And I'm really sad this happened. And I, I hope that my children will never participate in that and be part of something bigger and better. And I don't know how that looks, but I don't know. It's, it's an interesting conversation. I don't, I, I think, yeah, I think sometimes I just feel overwhelmed by it and tired <laughs> as an individual. <laughs> I was thinking about that on the way to this podcast. I was like, well, like what would get me to be out there on the streets? What would get me to be doing something beyond what I'm doing? And I'm like, well, I'm doing as much as I possibly can. And and I could imagine a, an African-American family who deals with not having their checks cashed and being pulled over more than they should and have dealt with this their whole life could hear you and go, gosh, Eric, I'm sorry, you're tired. Or they could hear you and go, excuse me? Yeah. Oh, no, I think they could say so. Yeah, I'm not saying my like, tiredness is I, justification. I I'm just saying, wow, that's where I my immediate reaction to this. And I think some of it is because I am bombarded, and all of us are, by all the things that I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I'm supposed to take care of the earth. And there are all these things that consumerism does to destroy the earth, and I need to figure out how to undo those. Okay, that takes a certain amount of mind energy. Then there's just the the plight be, of inequalities of, of all these different groups that I somehow I participate in in either promoting or helping undo. That takes a certain amount of energy, mm-hmm. right? Then there's the entire mental health of our 
world that I participate in trying to help be part of undoing. And there's the opioid epidemic. Then there's the opioid epidemic. There's the fact, there's the want, like the capitalism in its extreme doesn't line up with the gospel. Um, now I'm, I need to deal with that, you know, and <laughs> there's a lot and I, and, and it's bombarded me and it's telling me that these are the things I'm supposed to do. And I'm like, okay, that's a lot, you know? And so how do I start? You got to pick one. One of them has to be important to you. And then you just have to say, I don't know, you, you work on that one. And you try to honor and support the people who are working on the others. That's kind of where I I am in all of this. And lend my voice where I can. Um, Which one are you closest to choosing? Well, I I think the one I'm closest to choosing kind of puts me in all of them at times is the mental health of people. Where they are. And I think my care for people spiritually makes me have to stand in all of these circles and have something to say about it. Sure. Right. Sure. Which means that then my behavior is looked at. <laughs> you know. How are you doing with that? I don't know. How's your behavior? <laughs> it's, it's. Oh, gosh. And I did appreciate. You didn't listen to the whole podcast, but at the end, he, he did say something fascinating. He said, just because somebody is, you know, he was talking about talking to people and trying to hear their experience. But he said, just because somebody has a lot of melatonin in their skin doesn't mean that you should do what they say. Right. <laughs> Which I thought was a really interesting thing to say. But he's saying is just because somebody is, you know, black or is Hispanic or you, they're not the end right. all on the experience and how you as a white person should to approach anti-racism you actually have to choose the voices that you're going to listen well, to. well yeah because you're going to find you're like i mean vody bacham's hanging out with john MacArthur, saying what he says right right so there's so that's going to be very different than what andre henry's saying which is going to be very different from you know what I, it, yeah it's and i think i think that that's a hard thing is we want to we want to like find the voice of the other right that says what we're hoping they'll say yeah right Right. that which says you're doing fine actually yeah um and so we find that we go oh look you know see and um Hmm. and uh that's that's really easy to do it is like you know really really easy to do my my wife said something interesting we were we were chatting about life said nothing to do with these things but i think it applies she was talking about how one of the things that my mom had taught her when she was younger um, was how to sit in uncomfortability. Yeah. Like that that was a high value uh-huh. to other people's uncomfortability and your own to like not rush out of it. Hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's part of the thing that I have to offer to the whole thing is put myself in as many places where I'm going to be uncomfortable and listen, you know, Sit with a person who is adamant gun, you know, control person. Yeah. Doesn't want anyone to have guns, and and sit there and be uncomfortable with them because I know that some other friends and other people in my community are just like super pro gun and have a very strong political view of that, and not try to force a certain idea to come forward, but to listen and to help them think about it and try to help them think about what it would look like to sit with somebody who completely disagrees with them and love them and find some value in what each has to offer. It's a big deal. Like being uncomfortable is a, is a huge part of this process. I think it seems like what we're particularly bad at as a culture. I mean, we can find the people saying what we want to say or what we are hoping they'll say about us. We can find them and we can be with them and dialogue with them especially when there's distance, we can dialogue with the people that we disagree with wholeheartedly. We can tweet back or we can protest and yell. There's still, there's distance. You're not uncomfortable together. You've usually got your group or your sign or something that you're behind, but it feels like we are very bad at being with and choosing um, to be, yeah, made uncomfortable or you know experience our discomfort or whatever it is 
um, in a way that could hurt. Right. Um, yeah, that seems like, I mean, that sounds horrible. Yeah. And I want, you know, I don't know. I don't want to, there, there was a guy that came through, I don't know if we talked about it on here, but unfortunately I forgot his name, but he came through and spoke here at the U of A, uh, African-American guy talking about the race issues. And he ended up kind of landing on, um, we really need to become active listeners to one another. Yes. And there was a group of, uh, of African-American students who I was a part of an interaction with who were very upset, um, that that was the solution. Cause it was like, why should I listen? They were kind of saying, why should I listen to, to more white people? Like that's, you know, well, not enough actually, of that. Like, I'd actually agree with them. Well, <laughs> why should you? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Why should you like this? This guy was saying you should, I mean, and, uh, and he was suggesting that both sides needed to really like sit and hear each other, which is sort of what yes you're saying i thought yeah i i am saying that i i think maybe i'm because i walk in the world of white people right i think when it comes to the racial thing i I think more my call is to say look we all have to be uncomfortable it's not their job to be uncomfortable anymore yeah it's our job i i agree though in just i was saying that in most issues i think the call and i think god is also inviting you know, the African-American, the Hispanic, the the Asian communities to also sit and listen, even though they have suffered. It's just not my role to tell them that. Okay. That has to happen within their community. Yeah. I'm okay with another African-American person sitting in that community and saying, hey, we got to listen. It's not right for me to go in and say, hey, you guys need to listen. Right. That's, that's what becomes really hard to hear. I I agree with you in that, in that regard. And I mean, unless you happen to have that, the relational Right, unless they're willing like, to sit and listen to you if, if, say that. <laughs> if you're the one that they want, they're asking, or, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there there does seem to be kind of what kind of what Andre Henry was saying was just it's always the the answer and the fix is always coming from the, from the white community. Yes. And that's, that is racism. Yes. Um, it's still one group is dominant telling me how I should respond, how I should feel. And, uh, and in that, I definitely, I, that made sense. Not that I need to give my check of approval. Um, I know that I'm just saying, I heard that and, uh, and thought, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. I think what makes me sad is it about that is it feels like, it feels like the deepest relationships really are a two-way street and it makes me feel sad to think that just you know it feels when i hear that stuff like we just can't have those relationships yeah and i think the thing is that you and i can have relationship like i can have a relationship of a you know an asian woman or i can have a relationship with an african-american man on a one-to-one level and he can sit and listen to me and i can listen to him i think a lot of times that those issues are more societal as a group it might be more difficult for us as Anglo Americans to sit with African Americans in the same way as maybe we might sit individually with them. Yeah. Because I think there is a lot of listening and engagement on one-on-one level, but there is so much systemic cultural things built in. Like we were just started the podcast with why what struck me is I did watch some pictures of the, of the, or saw some of the, the video from the protest there was the only people who were African-American there were the reporters. <laughs> there was an African-American no, there reporter. Was, there was a big deal in one of the news stories about like one African-American couple that was there for gun rights, but it was like the right. one, right. right? Right. It's not. So it's, it's so yeah. when you do that, you're making a cultural statement, even let's just say, let's pretend, which is probably completely untrue that it wasn't motivated. Like, Oh, let's, let's, it's still systemic within the culture. You're making a statement that's inappropriate. Like right. you are asserting your power on the one day that the African-American community has an opportunity to thank God for their freedom and for a man who actually yes. helped. Like this that's, is- what, that's what bothered me the most was, I mean, it, it. I think a gun rally is worrisome to me 
just because I'm uncomfortable with guns. Yes. Like I don't, I don't love the idea. Like if I saw somebody with an assault rifle walking down the street, especially a white guy, I'm like duck and cover, right? Like I'm not, yeah. I'm not into it. Especially and so, in, in our cultural or present day and yeah, what that means. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I, I witnessed, you know, my grandfather take shots at people in his yard. Um, so back yeah. when I was a child, I also felt uncomfortable with sure, that. Sure. Um, it's not just now. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's heightened. Right. right. Um, yeah, but it was the, it was the day. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing that's frustrating to me is it, there is, I do believe that more than ever racial reconciliation, which, you know, he, he was, he was a little bit against and not wasn't. against reconciliation per se, but just what it does. Like the, 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 the idea of like, let's just get along on yeah. white people's terms. Yeah. On white people's terms. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, I think that lots of interactions that are good are happening between, you know, the different races in the United States on an individual level. But culturally, we have refused to collectively, I think even as a church, address some of the systemic things that we should be standing together in. Even if it's just in, yes, I agree with that and think that this is the direction we need to move. Or, yes, this is something that's wrong and we need to figure out how to address it. Right. Um, instead of, you know, trying to come up with random statistics to say, oh, this is just how it all is. Probably, you know, justifying all the systemic things that are just wrong. Right. But I don't think people understand all the power that we have as white people. They just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to them. I personally, and I'm sure people have a different opinion of this, but I was encouraged last year by the Gospel Coalition's putting on a, a conference, you know, on over the, you know, in the MLK weekend and um, primarily, uh, I believe, as African-American speakers. And um, I thought that was a, I thought that was a really good move for a broader body of the church to just educate and teach and um you know especially utilizing african-american leaders to do so uh personally i was encouraged by that so let me ask move ask you this question you you don't look so sure no no i think it was great i think it was good um i'm just interested it just made me think about the the interview and he when he was at relevant he was in charge, the, the, Andre, the guy yeah. who was on the podcast, is in charge of all of their content, uh-huh. right? And so he was explaining the different kinds of content that come with the different months and kind of, you know, movements. Yeah. Of, and then he gets to February and, yeah. and they're do, he wants to do things that are more geared toward African-Americans because yeah. that's what February is in our culture, right. um, or at least in his mind. And that just gets totally poo-pooed and, and really starts his the, the movement that he's now part of in a yeah. sense and because he writes this this piece that, that kind of goes viral um but what i thought about that when i was listening is i thought this has to do with money i mean obviously it has to do a little bit with race but i i think this has a lot to do with money he's like the the owner of the magazine or the ceo is like this is not going to sell magazines it's not going to work Right, so we're not gonna we're not gonna take a hit to to make a message to to actually say something like money comes over what is right. And that's what I was thinking. Is that so often white people who you would you, you oh I'm not racist I'm not this well yeah but you're willing to you're not willing to risk your money you're not really willing to risk comfortability right and that's the thing that. I think so often is the is the thing that kicks me is that am I even willing to risk my own uncomfortability right to 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 make say something yeah if your to, magazine wouldn't sell or you yeah know, would you do it um that's my thought that's what it hit me I don't know if that's true it just was like oh this seems to be a lot of I'm money. sure there's I'm sure it's multifaceted um but I think like I think we do lose money for things we really believe in. Like, yes. Why do you go on vacation? You're losing a lot of money. 
you believe in it, you like it, it is valuable to you. Well, you're so, talking to the wrong person. I have yeah. to be forced to spend money I'm, on vacation. I'm just saying. You, <laughs> but I agree with you. Yeah. Just, <laughs> oh, look at this audio studio, Eric. Sure. You justified the expense of all this money, didn't you? Because you love it. It's You yeah. like technology and audio, and you buy gadgets all the time. So, like, we – that's sure. the thing, like – Losing money when it's for something we believe in, we're in. Yes. And so I think I would say that the money thing is not the lower layer of it. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. So I still it didn't – you didn't quite answer my question. And you actually said on the podcast last week when I kind of – I think I brought this up about – just how what does cultural engagement look like uh-huh. because we as followers of Jesus particularly in the 21st century find ourselves in a unique setting in America when we're say looking at Paul and Jesus and their political action as they were being dominated by Rome and and in Jesus even and more in particular being dominated by the religious sect that was controlling things under Rome how so their political actions look a little different than our political actions because theoretically we've been given some form of power because we have a vote oh right right and so and so that vote does like even we're talking about you know marching being politically active having you know giving voice to different people groups these are all things that maybe we don't necessarily see in Paul in particular, or Jesus, they're always talking about the context of the church. And it's, you know, and Paul, even in Thessalonians and his famous, you know, verse to say, live a quiet life. He's asking you not to call attention to this new kind of community that's birthing. Cause I right. think Paul really wants it to be established so that it has some, some momentum behind it before it kind of gets torn apart by the Roman empire. Um, I don't know what you think about that. Like, how do we look to Jesus? Because right. liberation theology looks to Jesus, looks to Paul to tell uh-huh. them how to act. And they read it very differently than we do. And it's always, I've I've struggled to, to like bring forward the way Jesus and Paul involve themselves. So the way God invites right. us to, to act with power. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you think about that? Well, and so, and this comes from, my engagement in a very specific way of thinking about this um, years back. Um, It seems like the resistance model of, let's say of, of Jesus in when he, when he says, you know, if if somebody, you know, strikes you, strikes you. Yeah. On the right, turn to them left. Um, or did I reverse that? Um, okay. but, um, and then, you know, somebody asks you to walk one mile, go two. if they ask for your tune and give them your cloak. Give Caesar what is Caesar's Jesus. God's what's God's. That's another. Except that's, yeah, that's that. There's that. But, um, in, in those three situations, the, the way that, and I have dug into this and I actually do think this has a lot of validity and could give us a bit of a model. So to be, to be, uh, yeah, to be struck on the left cheek um, would be to be struck as an equal. To be struck on the right cheek would be to be backhanded. Yes. To, to be treated like a slave. And so if somebody treats you like a slave, force them to treat you as an equal. Um, if uh, somebody, the the second mile, um, we have a church here in town called Second Mile. It, kind of the idea behind their name is like, Go the distance, help people more than. But um, comes from that, a Roman idea. But the the second mile was that the Roman officer was required to, or could require you to serve him by walking one mile. Right with his stuff. With his stuff. Yeah. Um, the second mile would have been you refusing to give him back his stuff and making him violate Rome's law. He would have begged you to stop um, because this is now like he could he could get in trouble for this it's it's an exposure um, it's making him um, it's 
because he's just doing a lawful thing by making you walk the one mile. If you walk the second, you're causing him to to look bad, right? Um, the cloak and the tunic, uh, you know, the uh, it's the outer garment and the inner garment. It's the it's the underwear. It's the it's it's imagine you know somebody with a big overcoat and then a pair of long johns and nothing else on. So they they demand of you um, your cloak. Give them your tunic. It's take off all your clothes. Now, in that culture, in our culture, that would be weird. If somebody like, if some, you know, punk came up to you on the street and said, hey, give me that jacket. And you took off all your clothes. Yeah, that would be strange. It would be strange. But in that culture, it went beyond strange to it was like. You humiliated You've them. humiliated them. You've put them to shame. Um. Like I said, I really do think there's, I, I don't think that in doing that, because that is what Jesus, you know, did on the cross. He he shamed the powers. He hung naked, you know, before they had to behold him and what they had done. Um, he didn't just go, oh, well, just kill me if that's what it takes. Like in his death on the cross, he did put to shame those who crucified the righteous one. Sure. Um, and so I do think that there is a Christ-like way to take action that it, it should make people feel uncomfortable and see their shame. Um, it, but it would it always costs the one who does the action greatly, or it's, it's at great risk. Um, and I can't, I'm not saying this because I have done this so well, but I do think that's a model that could actually be followed. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful model. Um, I'd have to. There are a lot of questions. About to, what does that look like in a yeah, given I'd situation? Yeah, I'd have to even dig into that historically to see if I, I would agree with you. You should. I, I've spent some time on that. No, and I after. trust you on that. I mean, it's uh, there. There are theologians who teach it, um, and uh, I think it's. I think there are others who would, but are afraid of what that would mean politically. Sure. Um, but but yeah, get dig in, all of you. Go look it up. Really right. dig into the into the meaning of that and see if yeah. if that's got some validity. It it seems the hand with which you struck people was your right hand in that culture, and so to to. Like kind of backhand somebody, you hit him on the right cheek. If you hit him on the left, you had to, you had to give him a solid, like the strike of a of an actual contender. Right. And the second mile was was not something that you wanted. Anybody wanted you to walk with them. It was, it was making somebody now violate their law. And uh, and the cloak and the tunic one's taking you down to your right, and that's a uh, to, to nothing. That's a hard one to get around. Yeah, I mean that one in particular. Um, you know, I, I I would tend to probably agree with you that those are probably true things. Um, I haven't studied that enough. The one thing that's interesting, I know this is off to the side, is I, I find it weird. I mean, I grew up in the church, and I and people spend a lot of time telling me about what the historical things are. Yeah, but the more I researched, I have done research and read historians the reality is and i really don't want to swear on the podcast so i can't i can't because then i have to click a button um it's saying that there's profanity but it's it's a crap filled uh world where you're trying to survive and sometimes we make all these cultural structures about how it looked in the first century when jesus was toting around a lot of that wasn't going on because... Oh, sure. So, like, flash forward 2,000 years from now and tell us about how people did things today. Yes. Like, which person? Yeah, which person. Yeah. So, yeah. I understand. Like, I, do, I know. Jesus is laying out a teaching, and he's talking to people who do have the time to process these things. Right. Right. He's talking to religious rulers. He's not actually talking to the poor fisherman who's just... He's not even thinking about his right and left cheek other than, you know, it itches. Right, you know, it doesn't. The, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. Right, so right. I think sometimes I, I totally agree with you. I just think sometimes people think, oh, this is, no, this this is a particular that is his dialogue to power. 
Yeah. Like he's, it is. He, and, and, and that is the, the, the interesting yep. concept there is he's talking to people who are in power and making them uncomfortable yep. to think about these things. And the theologian Walter Wink is the one who oh, yeah, wrote I love, that. Oh, yeah, I love Walter Wink. So he, he really unpacks this in Jesus' third way. And yeah. so it's it, he's getting at the idea that it's, um, I mean, you can violently resist or you can passively, you know. Sure. Just peacefully. But this is somewhere in between. It's it's not violence, but it isn't passive. Right. It's interesting. It's interesting to me that you read Wink. I wouldn't have put him in there. I, I like his book on powers. I mean, that's uh-huh. where I, I get a lot of my theology of power from. It's Walter Wink. But I haven't actually read The Third Way. Look at that, man. Um, I've read a book you haven't read. You all, I'm pretty sure you've read a lot of books I haven't read. <laughs> um, but I just haven't. I, I've only read one of his books. But Yeah. There you go. Yeah, that's, I, I think that's actually a great place to end and really... I think people, I think that's something we should all think about. And actually, I would love to do another podcast on that with you. Sure. To process maybe a little bit more of Wink's theology of that and how it might look practically for you and I to, to participate in and be part of. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in Wink, but I'm more like if he's like. Not when he winks at us. Yeah, <laughs> but more like if, if he's right on that, on that issue, which I'm, I think he is. I've I've milled that over many times since having read that, and I keep coming, and I've I've milled it over. I've researched it, and I keep going. I think he might. I think he was right, and uh, and I don't feel the need to be like any more than I feel the need to be called a Calvinist or a anything else. You, I don't I need to be a, a winkish, a winkian, or a whatever, winkian, a, um, a winker. But but I think yeah we should we should uh, really take that reading seriously look yeah. into it and if it's it if it's true it could really give us a a model for engagement not an easy one wow not an easy one well, I'm I'm yeah. really happy with the way this ended I, I think that was really good all right well thanks for hanging out cool I think you have to introduce because I introduced last week. <laughs> <laughs>